You're listening to Love Talk Live with the relationship expert, Jamie Bronstein, only on L.A. Talk Radio. Hi, and welcome to Love Talk Live. I'm Jamie Bronstein, your host. And today I have two lovely ladies, one here with me, Susan King. Hi, Jamie. Nice to be here. So happy to have you. Thank you. And on the phone, we have Danielle Tobias. Say, Are you there, Danielle? I am. Hi, Jamie. Thanks for having me. So happy to have you. So we'll be bringing Danielle on a little bit later. She's a social worker that lives in Chicago. And this is Susan King. She is an intuitive who is in town from London, as you can see. By my accent. And hear her amazing accent. Um, And she's truly an amazing person. And I'll just kind of let you tell your story. We can just kind of start there. Okay, you want me to give you a rundown of how I got to where I am today? Yeah, we'd love to hear. Okay, when I was a child, I used to get very strong sense of different things around me, even as a three-year-old. I used to get strong likes and dislikes of people, and I used to get smacked for being so vocal about them. As I grew up and into my early teens, I used to have dreams, but I'd have dreams that would actually happen and manifest. So um, after I'd finished college, um, I started to work in the pharmaceutical industry because I've always had an interest in anything to do with the mind, the body, and the spirit. And I'm also very interested in the anatomy and physiology of the body. But um, in my early 20s, I had a little bit of a car accident. It was a cold, icy morning. The sky was blue. The birds were tweeting. I went down a slight gradient in the road. The car went out of control, upside down, and twisted around, and I had a headache for five days, after which I started to see mental pictures and images in my mind's eye. And it took me five years to decipher what I was actually seeing. It was quite a process. Um, And from that, I started to see pictures and images around people who I was with. So I decided I was going to completely change my life, and I was going to work using this ability. I didn't actually know what to call it at the time, Mm -hmm. but the reason I use the word intuitive is because every human being I possess, uh, we we possess different senses, sight, sound, smell, taste, and instinct and intuition is part of those senses. And so I once read an article in Fortune 500, what was the common denominator amongst America's top 10 most successful men? The gut, their Mm. instinct, their intuition. But over the last 25, 30 years, my intuition has developed to the point where when I sit and I focus on a person or an object, even an email, um, I receive mental pictures and images in my mind's eye. And one of the things that um, I can use this ability for is looking into relationships. Um, One of the main things that I find that people come to me for, they want to understand the psyche of the person who's just thrown them at one side or doesn't see things that the way they do. And that's one of the little strengths I have is being able to look at that and explain to them why the person that they're with has that behavior pattern. Um, and, and so basically, that's how I'm here today with you. Wonderful. One thing I just want to make sure, because we can't really check in with our guests, but you we, you have so much to say. I want to make sure that they can hear you. So if you just Oh, I beg a, your pardon. Yeah, a little bit closer. We don't want to do the whole show and then be like, oh, I could just kind of hear her. Sorry. So, yeah, so much better. Okay, so um, I love that you mostly work with love. 
I do, yes. And that's my passion, and that's what this show is all about. So could you tell us a story, um, an example, of somebody who came to you that they, you something about like what you were just talking about. They kind of weren't sure about what the other person was thinking or feeling, or and then you kind of gave them insight into. Okay, let me see, out of the catalog. Okay, um, for example, let's take Lydia, call her Lydia. Um, Lydia came to see me because she'd been in a relationship for the last three or four years and she wanted to take it one step further. And she couldn't understand why her significant other, Tony, um, was very reluctant to move forward. And they were having consistent arguments and bickering and going through all of this. And it was getting to the point after almost a year of this bickering that she felt she wanted to throw the towel in. She'd had enough. So she came to see me and she explained this. And then I said, I want to see a photograph of this young man. So when I looked at the photograph of the young man, the images that I got in my mind's eye were, I could see him as a small boy between the ages of six and 12. In his life at that time, there was an incredible amount of trauma. One of the parents was either taking drugs or alcohol. I don't know which, all I knew, there was a terribly erratic personality. And I felt that since that young age, this person had been incredibly emotionally insecure. So they'd gone into their teens with all of this stuff locked in their psyche. And it's not that this person didn't want to be with her. He wasn't sufficiently aware of why his feelings were the way they were or why he had this block. And I said to her, if she was patient and if she tried to talk to him and try and understand why he felt the way he did and talk about his family, his home, his father coming and going, and all the highs and lows of moods that he'd had in his young teens, that they would be able to understand each other and they would have a better understanding of why she was the way she was to him and vice versa. So it's kind of like, you can't judge a book by its cover. You yeah. have to look into, into the pages. And if you look into the pages, there's always something and there's always a trigger that sets something off. That's just one example. Of, of a, a situation like that that I've encountered. But I get that kind of thing happening all the time. So do you, do you know what happened? Did they ever follow up with you? Oh, no, no, they do follow up. Yes, they do follow up. Some people follow up and they're fine. Some people follow up and they're not so fine. Um, some people um, are very impatient and want things to happen like yesterday. But when you're dealing with human beings and you're dealing with the minute um, emotions of people, you have to give and take and you have to be patient because not, I always tell people, think of the mountain goat. The mountain goat goes up sheer faces, one foot in front of the other. And I kind of think life's like that. We can't jump from the bottom to the top. Absolutely. Yeah. We need to just trust that there's a plan out there. Absolutely. And a if process. we- yeah, and if we try to do anything to rush something, it just never ends up good. <laughs> it's just not a good situation. Absolutely. So it sounds like you help your clients um, kind of just relax into the flow. Correct. I give them clarity and I help them see a different perspective of the situation than what they've been seeing it before. And so that makes them be a little bit more patient. and. When you have a bickering situation going on, 
it's very difficult for the other person to share their vulnerabilities. For a person to share their vulnerabilities, they have to feel peaceful and they have to feel safe. And the one thing that I think a lot of, especially women, and I'm a woman and I've done it myself in years ago, we tend to think if he really loved me, he'd know what was wrong with me, if he really did. So many people say that all the time, and it's so true. Oh, God. <laughs> Men cannot read our minds. No, they as can't. As much as we would want them no, to. No, but it's true, but a lot of people tend to think that. They do, until we, we teach them. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Totally agree with you. So I'm wondering, have you now, you know, in this day and age, there's lots of uh, dating with apps and things like that, mm -hmm. and on the websites, and... Um, you know, a lot of times people come to me and they say they're so frustrated because they go on these dates and the people show up and they don't look anything like they did or they, they're not anything like the way that they describe themselves. So I'm wondering, have you had any situations where you've been able to kind of stop someone in the tracks where someone comes to you before maybe they meet the person and there's, um, can avoid the Freud, the fraud? Well, right. one, right. one, uh, one thing springs to mind. It was actually in 2014, um, November, when I was last here in L.A. I went to meet my friend outside the M Cafe in Beverly Hills, and I sat down, and she was glowing like a Christmas tree, <laughs> even though it wasn't Christmas. And I said to her, what's happened? I'm in love, she said. Oh, really? I went in to get my food. I sat there. I said, okay, tell me the story. So she said to me, I've met this guy online. He's from Iceland. He's Icelandic. He was married, he has two teenage children, but his, um, his wife was having an affair with his best friend, so he divorced her and he left Iceland and he came to California. He spent quite a bit of time in California and then he met this woman who was about 10 years older than him. And um, he was an architect, so they decided they were going to do projects together. So I'm sitting intensely, noshing on my food. Yes, go on, I said. Anyway, this journey had taken them to Turkey because apparently this woman had some Turkish origin and they had apartments and different buildings they wanted to renovate because Turkey's becoming very in vogue with, you know, vacations. So um, there they were in Turkey and they'd been there on and off for 10 years and then the lady died that he was with. So there he was. He put the house in California on the market for sale and he told my friend that I'll be coming back to the US in a few weeks. This conversation they'd been having on the phone for maybe six, seven weeks. And when she told me this story, she looked so happy and so gleaming in her eyes. And I thought to myself, mm -hmm. I don't believe a word of it. So I thought, I have to say something. So I said, I don't believe it. I have never seen such a look in my life. The bottom dropped out Aww. of her face. And um, I said, I tell you what, when is he coming? She said, three weeks. I said, tell him to send you a copy of his airplane ticket. Sure enough, she did. He sends the airplane ticket. He actually sent a ticket with her. It was a, a ticket that went from Istanbul to Schiphol in Amsterdam to Atlanta to LA. $3,000 on the top of the ticket. I said, go and ask your friend, the travel agent, if the ticket's authentic. Sure <laughs> enough, the ticket was authentic, <laughs> but... Um, it was cashed in the next day. Oh so, my God. so then she was beginning to think, oh, okay, hold on, okay, maybe I'm right. So I said to Wait, her... Was this a, a personal friend or someone you just randomly met at the hotel? Oh, no, 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 this is somebody that I know. 
I okay. know. I mean, I don't know them that well in the sense that I'm with them every day, but if I come to LA, I see them, or if they are in London, I see them. Um, and I hadn't seen this person since May. We, we hadn't spoken since May, maybe the odd text. So I said to her, the next thing that's coming is the money. Sure enough, he had to get $5,000. He couldn't get the money out of his bank account in Turkey. It was a bit of a problem. So then it stopped her. She, she had nothing else to do with him. But I was watching, um, I was in New York uh, in January, and they were saying that, uh, as it was Valentine's Day that was coming up, they were saying there's such a lot of fraud now on the internet, especially on these dating sites. And it's people's vulnerability. Mm -hmm. The more vulnerable you are, it's not that people don't understand or can't make sense. It's it's people who are very emotionally vulnerable right. when they when they desperately have this huge emotional need that needs filling. And what I say is, their need to be wanted outweighs their logic. Right. Absolutely. Uh, and and that that's a typical case. I mean, I've I've I, I come across that sort of thing all the time. Not usually face to face. It's usually, you know, on the phone or on Skype when I'm working. But you you were right there. Absolutely, yes. But it, it sticks in my mind. And because I know her and because she was so happy, I felt such a mm, saying that to her. But I had to say it. Well, it's, in, it's another way of doing tough love. Absolutely. You, you had an important message to give to her. Yes, and, and, I, and, I, and I did. But it, but it proved to be right as well. This is very inspirational for me because I do talk to my clients all the time about using their intuition with everything. Um, but specifically, I'm going to have them now maybe even more, like when it comes to online dating, mm -hmm. to really use their intuition and to not let their, their need to be with someone outweigh, like block their senses. The logic. Basically, yeah. Another thing that is very good that are in that in, in my experience with what I do. If people go on a date, first date, second date, they're usually, you know, especially if they like the person, they're all aglow like a Christmas tree again. But if they sit quietly 48 or 72 hours later, they sit quietly in a chair and they close their eyes and they rerun the video in their mind from when they met the person, the conversations they went through, things will hit them. If they're listening to their inner mm -hmm. voice, things will hit them about that meeting about you know how the person was odd words that they said and they can actually learn a lot from that because I do believe we register everything subconsciously sometimes I practice it I walk up the street and when I get to the end I, I go through my head exactly what I've seen on the street just because you know I know that subconsciously I'm registering everything that I'm that I'm I'm observing around me and when, when I'm walking ahead and the cool thing about intuition in general is that we all have it it's just oh a matter gosh, yes. of we do we tapping do into it I, I I say it's kind of like a muscle you know we need to practice it in order Correct. for it to get stronger absolutely it's like you know tennis players they, they play tennis all the time and they strengthen their arm and the muscles in their arm and it's exactly same the thing. same it's 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 getting confidence in what you're actually sensing and feeling yes. that is the key it's having confidence yes. and i always think if you have a little book and you feel something and you dot it down and you can refer back to it it gives you confidence when you are right yeah like validation absolutely absolutely so can you tell us a story about 
something that happened in your life where you, let's say, had an intention to manifest something, some person, anything, um, and you did it just kind of by using your intuition and setting an intention? And I don't actually set intentions to tell you the truth. Um, I don't sit and manifest things in the in the sense that I have a friend in in New York, Annie, and uh, we she she manifests things all the time. But it's not something that I usually do. However, I can tell you an instant when I've actually been in a situation where I've met someone and I've known instinctively. It's not manifestation. Um, Twenty years ago, um, I was invited to a dinner at the House of Lords. I went to the dinner perfectly normal evening, summer's night, end of May, on the banks of the Thames, huge long tables, 100 people. Walked outside, a crowd of people. Um, everyone's waiting for cabs going by. And I got a tap on my left shoulder, and I turned round, and there was a man behind me on the telephone. And I looked into his eyes, and I knew I'd marry him. Just like that. I mean, what told me? I have no idea. It was like a bolt from the blue. Oh but that's what happened. I don't. I didn't manifest that. I wasn't looking for anybody. It just happened. But I felt certain, absolutely certain. But do you know what's so interesting about what you're saying? Yes. With the work that I do, mm. I would like to argue that actually you did manifest it, but not intentionally. Yes, because there was a part of your soul that wanted to get married. And wanted to meet this man. You didn't. You didn't say I need to meet him right this time. On the exactly. Temp, yeah. Exactly. But um, yeah, I think that you did. Maybe manifest subconsciously him. that yeah. I didn't realize I was doing it. Yeah, like it was like you got to the point in your life where you had done your work and you were open to it. Let's say, and then there you were, and someone brought you guys together. together. Yes, I, I I believe that that happened. I I do agree with that. But it, I wasn't consciously doing it, but, right. but subconsciously that could very well be. Yeah, I'm, I'm a great believer in that. But it was an extraordinary happening. And okay. it was the 18th of May, and it's the 18th of February. So it's quite auspicious. And his birthday was the 18th of January. That's quite amazing. Oh my God. 18, 18, 18. And 18 in Jewish, let's say, it means high. It means life and it's good luck. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> so 18, and I didn't really realize this until just now also that we well. are doing this today. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, but I just think that I love hearing stories when people tell me where they just had this knowing. And you, in that moment, even before you spoke to him, do you hear that? Yes, I did. <laughs> I don't know what that is or was. Danielle, Some are you there? Hello? Oh, you're there. Okay. You're still there. We heard a beeping. Yeah, sorry. I lost you for a second. Okay, good. Um, anyhow, I think that's so cool that you you had that knowing. Wow. Wow. Mm. Very powerful. It was. It was. Mm. I love it. Thank you. Okay, so we let's move on to Danielle. And I think that this could be interesting when we after we go through Danielle's story to maybe, you know, bring you back in okay. to see like what we all kind of have to say. Okay. Um, Danielle. Yes, and absolutely, I want to add in, um, Susan, thank you for sharing everything that you shared. I think you said a couple of things that will relate closely to kind of my story and that whole sense of that emotional security and our perspectives, how we view things and how once we're able to kind of switch the way we view other things um, and the way we see it could really affect kind of what happens in our lives. Mm -hmm. um, 
And so that was very insightful. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I feel like, because um, I know your story, but you're going to tell now, um, it definitely coincides a lot with what we were just talking about. So that's great. So Danielle, can you tell us what you do and first professionally, because we'll get back to it later, and then tell us your story about you and your boyfriend. I'd love to hear about it. Yeah, absolutely. So a little bit about me is I graduated from Loyola with my master's degree in social work. Um, and currently I'm working as a school social worker in a junior high. So I get to work with the, the preteens and adolescents, which is very uh, interesting. But um, kind of a little bit about my story. I'm going to give you um, a little background, kind of set the stage so everyone knows kind of where I'm coming from. So um, right now I'm in a relationship with someone named Alex. And we both went I've to met the him. He's of- amazing. Just wanted to say that for the viewers. He's a wonderful yes, man. Yes, he is. <laughs> Go on. He is a great guy. And he's actually sitting right next to me right now and watching a little bit. <laughs> Hi, Alex. But, uh, <laughs> so we, went, we, we both went to the University of Missouri. Um, and at the time of the story, Alex was a junior and I was a sophomore. And we were both part of the Greek life. So I was in a sorority and Alex was in a fraternity. And our houses were right next to each other so not even across the street you could walk outside of my sorority house and his house is right there Uh, we actually grew up 10 minutes away from each other and had some friends in common but until this story we have never met so um, i'm going to fast forward to spring break of my sophomore year and um, i decided to go to cancun with one of my best friends kristen um, also along with a lot of other people from missouri Um, so after a long uh, flight in my friend Kristen and I, we checked in with the hotel, we got our keys, and as we were about to open the door into our hotel room, a bunch of guys came up to us and they're like, what are you doing? And we were very confused. We were like, what are you talking about? They're like, oh, well, actually, this is where our friend is staying. And we're like, this is the keys that they gave us. And as we walk in, we see this guy with a towel around him just kind of lounged on the bed. And we're like, what is going on? Um, so as you could imagine, you're going into a hotel room with your friend and you think it's just going to be the two of you and you walk into this guy that you do not know with a towel and he's in one of your beds and we're like, what is going on? Um, also a little tidbit at that time, um, I was in a relationship with somebody else. So I also felt very uncomfortable sharing a room with a guy, specifically a stranger who I never met. So my friend Kristen and I, we had gone up to the hotel receptionist and we asked, you know, what's going on? Is there any other room? It's supposed to just be the two of us. And they said, sorry, spring break. There's nothing we can do about it. So we ended up rooming with this random guy who we had no clue uh, who it was, but it actually ended up being one of Alice's best buddies from um, Mizzou who was actually in his fraternity. So that's how I met Alex and at that time I remember meeting him and being very drawn to him and I'm not that kind of person where I see somebody and I'm like I like them or I get the butterflies in my stomach it takes me a little while to kind of build that relationship with others so it it was a really weird feeling um especially you know kind of going back like I had a boyfriend so I, I, I wasn't expecting to kind of have these butterflies in my in my stomach for somebody but can't really pinpoint what it was but I just really instantly liked him so um shortly after we got back from our spring break trip um my boyfriend at the time and I we broke up and I remember telling my friends and my mom like I think I kind of like Alex I could never fully commit I couldn't say I liked him um I had to 
throw in the kind of because it was not like me to let anyone know I liked anybody unless I seriously liked that. And it was kind of a big commitment for me to say that. Um, so anyways, Alex and I would occasionally hang out and he would subtly let me know that he liked me. He would kind of tell my friends like, oh, are you with Danielle? Like you should bring her over to the fraternity. Um, and obviously at that time I had really liked him, but I didn't want him to know. So nothing really serious came out of it. Um, Alex then ended up, because he's a year older than I am, he ended up graduating and got into a relationship um, with another girl outside of, you know, Missouri, and we had just lost touch. But there would be times that I would just be thinking, I mean, he would pop into my head, and I'm like, I wonder what Alex is doing, what's going on. But for me, I would never text him first. You know, for all I knew, he was dating somebody else, which he was, but I didn't know that. Um, So I kind of just backed off. Um, although I was kind of wishing that something more could have came out of it. Um, and then it wasn't until I graduated college and I had moved to Chicago that we ended up bumping into each other at a friend's party. And then honestly, after that, the rest is history. We, we started a relationship and we've been together ever since then. But it's just it, talking about this kind of like uh, our intuition and also the coincidences like everything happens for a reason the fact that we live 10 minutes away from one another uh, we share friends in common and we ended up bumping into each other at a friend's party so it kind of you know relates back to what Susan was saying that uh, things happen for a reason and sometimes we register things subconsciously that we don't need we're not even aware of so what do you think that you were doing differently in your life when you met Alex that was different from your previous relationships or just your dating experience before Alex? Yeah. Yeah. So kind of reflecting, using some like self-reflection and looking back, um, I think at that time in my life in college, I had like an intense, almost irrational fear of rejection. And that was something that throughout my whole life I kind of experienced. Um, and I didn't really know where, when we talk about manifestation, like where that came from. There's not like a point in my life where it's like, this was kind of traumatic and this happened, but I really had this deep fear of getting rejected. So I used to live my life like tiptoeing around and avoiding situations that could potentially lead me to, you know, my fear becoming a reality. Um, and as you can imagine, that impacted my ability to form relationships. So when you think about liking somebody, what do you do? You you want to be around them all the time and you want to text them. You want to see where they are and what they're doing. And for me, it'd be the complete opposite. So if I like somebody, you know, I kind of have formed these unwritten rules and kind of held onto this belief that if a guy liked me, he would always text me first and that, you know, he always had to be the one putting in more effort. And if at any point I was putting in the effort, I would pull away um because i felt like well he couldn't like me if i have to put in any of the effort so i had these unrealistic unre- uh, irrational beliefs that that were preventing me from being able to put myself out there and form those healthy you know reciprocal relationships so for the viewers what can you tell them in terms of inspiring them did you have a shift because um, you must have done some kind of self-work or something to where you got to the point where you even could manifest Alex and you were able to have this relationship. Yeah, absolutely. And and there is um, kind of a, a point in time that I can pinpoint and it was while I was in graduate school 
Um, obviously, as I'm sure you know, Jamie, that you learn about different therapeutic modalities. Yes. And as we were learning about um, a therapeutic modality called CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy, um, it really helped provide me insight into what I was doing and the reasons why I was doing it. And being able to have that kind of psychoeducation and that insight into like my behaviors and the way I was acting as a result of something, it really helped me look at that. So kind of for, you know, people listening who don't really know what CBT is, is it pretty much looks at how one's thoughts affect their feelings, both physically and emotionally, which then affects how they behave. So to simply put it, um, the way we think impacts how we feel um, mm-hmm. and also how we act. So, you know, people with anxiety, they usually engage in something, and this is absolutely what I was doing, was engaging in this negative self-talk. And I was having these irrational beliefs about, you know, Alex and, and his, what he was doing and how that was, um, you know, relating to the way that I thought about myself and the way that I used that negative self-talk. So kind of what I would do and, and really the way that I was able to change my outlook. And it's not that my fear of rejection completely went away. Um, I think that's unrealistic. I think I still struggle with that in my daily life. But what really helped is kind of looking at those irrational beliefs and the thinking traps that we fall into as human beings. So one of the strategies that I really used was something called the reframing. Mm-hmm. So what I, it's really changing the negative way that we think into a more positive or realistic uh, way of talking to ourselves. So um, I'm going to kind of give an example, a personal example, and this is kind of a therapeutic modality I use with my students all the time, but I'm going to use the example based off of the story that I told you. So let's say there was a time that Alex didn't text me. My mind would automatically go into, he doesn't like me, there's something wrong with me. So imagine having that thought versus having the thought of, oh, Alex didn't text me, he may be busy right now and he'll text me later. Um, Of course, the way that you're going to feel based off of those two, you know, versions of self-talk are going to be different. The first one will lead me to feel upset and sad and, and feel like I'm not worthy of a relationship versus the second one is, okay, what's more realistic? Is it more realistic that he's busy or that he just doesn't like me? So really being able to take a simple concept, which is that negative self-talk and trying to reframe it into something more positive. Um, And then one other strategy that really had helped me kind of uh, move past this, this fear that I was having is something called cognitive restructuring. And so what that is, is identifying that irrational belief you have, and then also disputing it. So again, let's go back to that, you know, he didn't text me because he doesn't like me. So I would have identified that negative belief, and then I would have to dispute it. So I would look for examples for, you know, the evidence showing that he doesn't like me, and then also again, then really being able to use that in my daily life kind of helped push me out of that that you know negative perpetual self cycle that I was in and allowed me to think of it in a more positive way and put myself out there um and I think that that really allowed me to kind of move forward in my relationship with Alex and not put all the pressure on him 
um, because that's not realistic. Relationships have to be reciprocal, and if they're not, they're not going to go any, um, anywhere. So that's kind of how I, you know, the change that happened from college, how I kind of perceived things in college to um, kind of my perception and the way I thought of myself and, um, you know, how I looked at myself as a person, um, which helped me, you know, kind of facilitate that healthy mutual relationship. Well, I love that you were able to do that because not everybody does this. Everybody is capable of doing it. And I think that people think that it's a lot harder to do, but it really is pretty simple. You know, just just changing that negative self-talk, getting rid of your past stories and creating your what your real story is, your authentic story is, and just yeah. living life from that place. Um, I think your story is very inspirational. I hope that our, you know, our viewers are watching, listening. Um, how can people contact you if they just have questions or just want to send you an email? Yeah, ab- absolutely. The best way probably to contact me would be on Instagram, um, which would be under my name, uh, Danielle, which is D-A-N-I-E-L-L-E, Tobias, T-O-B-I-A-S. And the number one, or um, on Facebook under just Danielle Tobias. Okay, wonderful. And I don't want to forget to mention that if there are any Chicago people that have children who need help, because you work with children, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. To contact Danielle. Yeah. And maybe you could work with these children, and then eventually they get older, and then they get into relationships. So you could be like their lifelong therapist. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And and this, you know, the the techniques that I talked about, those could be helpful for anybody. And really, people who are struggling with anxiety, um, it really does give them that language to understand what what they're going through and how their thoughts really do affect the way they're feeling inside, and therefore how they are going to behave. If I may say something, Danielle, I, I totally agree with you, but. For people who can't have um, cognitive behavioral therapy, what they could say to themselves is they could look at themselves in the mirror and say to themselves, what is the worst thing that can happen? What is the Mm -hmm. worst thing? You're going to get a no, you're going to get a rebuff. How many no's have you had in life or how many rebuffs have you had? So put Mm -hmm. your best face on and go forward. And also just trusting that whatever the outcome is, is... It's okay. the right outcome for you. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And Susan, like what you said is really looking and that's part of cognitive restructuring. What's the worst case scenario that could happen? And like you said, you get rejected and that's part of life. And I think absolutely. I also want everyone to know that it is going to be something that happens and how we are able to cope with that is very important too. But you don't want, you know, a fear, something that you fear to stop you from doing something and I think going over that worst case scenario um, and really like rationalizing to yourself like it's going to happen but when it happens what can I do and what's the worst outcome of it happening and if you never put yourself out there or take any chances you will be alone like if your fear is being alone but you're also scared to get into a relationship because what if it ends (laughs) then you're alone anyway so it's really important to take chances and put yourself out there absolutely so let's see, we have a few more minutes. Um, Danielle, do you have any questions for Susan? Um, 
Susan, do you want to add any more sprinkles of insight into anything before we finish? Well, I would like to say as far as relationships are concerned, when you go into a relationship, before you make any assumptions, be open, listen. A relationship, I believe, needs to be a part of the picture of your life, not the whole of your life. I think a lot of people tend to think that if they have a relationship, everything's going to be wonderful. Right. And that's not the case. I always say mm -hmm. to people, if you look at the picture on the wall, there's all sorts of different colors on the picture. And, you know, you have your work, you have your friends, you have your relationship, it's part of. But yeah. I think a lot of people expect the whole relationship to mend every aspect of their life, and I mm. don't think it does. Um, yeah. I think also that you need to listen to people very carefully and let people open up as they want to. I don't think you should go in with a checklist of 20 right. questions when you first meet somebody because if I, I always say this to people as well, if you pick up sand in your hand and you let it rest in your hand, it will stay there. If you squeeze it, it will run through. And if you keep squeezing a person that you encounter, they will actually go backwards from you. Yeah, they'll retreat. Yes, yes, mm -hmm. anybody would. Yeah, love it. Yeah, great Thank advice. You. Love it. Thank you. So we already went over how we can find Danielle. How can we find Susan King? If anybody has any questions or wants to set up an appointment, do you want to talk about kind of how you do that from London? Yes. Um, if anybody's looking for me, you can find me at susankingintuitive at gmail.com or my website, uh, susankingintuitive.com. Um, I work in New York, I work here, and I work in London. So if you want to get hold of me, it's quite simple, susankingintuitive at gmail.com. And you do phone sessions? I do Zoom. phone sessions, I do Skype. Skype sessions, I do FaceTime sessions, I do WhatsApp sessions <laughs> on all she different time zones. She's available. <laughs> Sometimes she does it in the middle of the night if she's talking to us. <laughs> Sometimes, yes, absolutely. That's one of the most difficult things is if you're talking to Australia and then yeah. you're talking to Bahrain and then you're talking to Miami, it's very difficult to gauge the time, I have to admit, once or twice, I mix the times up. And mm. when do you sleep? Oh, I do sleep. <laughs> I like my sleep. Sleep during the day or just a few no, hours? No, no, there? no, no. I always get my seven and a half, eight hours every mm. night. I think that's very important. Yes. Because if you don't sleep then and, and you're tired, it can make you very down. And you eat more because you your energy is low. So you, you want to do something to, 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 to energize. So, no, I do like to get my sleep. I feel that's very important. And it's very important for making decisions. You don't make decisions yeah. when you're tired or you're weary. Um, and I if you have any issues emotionally or relationship-wise to talk about, you don't do that when you're tired. You do it when, yeah. you're, when you're alert, when you're, when you're calm, when you're focused. Yeah, your hormones get all mixed Absolutely. up, Especially emotions. when you fly. Especially when you're flying, oh. you know, going through different time zones. Yeah. Yeah, I always have a few days in whatever city I'm in, in order for my, yeah, I, I, I exercise and I, I, I sleep um, to just to make sure that, you know, my mind and my body are all in sync. To get the energy flowing. Yes, absolutely. In a beautiful way that, yes. that it's supposed to. Absolutely. Yes, yes. Cool, guys. Yeah. Um, so, Danielle, do you have any closing thoughts? No, I think everything that has been said is very insightful. Um, Susan, it's great to hear that, um, you know, 
you're able to work in Australia with all different time zones. I think that's <laughs> very impressive. But um, thank you for sharing everything that, you know, all your knowledge. And it's been very insightful to me. And Jamie, thank you for having me on the show. Thanks for being on the show. I thought that this, um, it always kind of just works out, the people that I have on the show at the same time, where it's just very synergistic and um, meant to be. So thank you both. Absolutely. Thank you, Jamie. And nice to meet you, Danielle. Maybe when I'm in Chicago in May, maybe we'll have a coffee. Oh, yeah. You guys can meet. That would be awesome. I would love to. So thank everybody for tuning in today. And as always, you can find me at therelationshipexpert.com. You can email me at jamie at therelationshipexpert.com. That's J-A-I-M-E at therelationshipexpert.com. So we will see you next week and have a wonderful week, a wonderful evening, and just love. Just love. You're listening to Love Talk Live with the relationship expert, Jamie Bronstein, only on L.A. Talk Radio.